morning, everyone. First service, the people who got up early, uh, battled through the frost and the cold, a hearty people, first service people. So thank you for coming. And uh, just as been informed before, we're in the second part of our series uh, on God with us, Emmanuel, <clears throat> God with us. And what we're trying to do in this series is this, is how do we encounter God in the different seasons of our lives? And Ian kick-started last week with the valley, that we have times in our life when we go through the valley and we learn that we, we, we uh, enjoy God on the mountaintops but we experience and know God intimately in the valleys of our life. And then this morning, I want to touch on the wilderness, and I'm going to introduce that metaphor of the Bible in a moment. And then next week, we're looking at the storms. So it's, so it's a real positive series, isn't it? You know, you've got the valleys, you've got the wilderness, and you've got the storms. But the fourth week, we end with Jesus in the manger preparing us for Christmas. How do we know that God's with us always in every season and every time of our life? It's because of a baby that came in the manger. Jesus, Emmanuel, God <clears throat> with us. And so the foundational scripture for our, the whole of our series is Matthew 1.23. It simply says this, well known at Christmas, look, the virgin will conceive a child, she will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. And we want to get that principle and theme throughout in our hearts and in our minds. When I started thinking about and praying about what would be the theme of Christmas for our church this year in 2023, and I looked back over the year and I sensed things that were happening in the church, and I saw patterns in the church, and I saw people who had this year had lost loved ones deep and close to their lives and they're feeling a sense of loneliness and abandonment and 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 I saw even young people whose whose friends had moved off to university but they are still here and they felt that sense of isolation I saw patterns how many people know that you can even be married and still feel lonely in that relationship people still sense that in their lives and i saw this pattern and 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 throughout 2023 as well i just started sensing even within the community at large people that i met outside this sense of alienation and isolation maybe it's just that counter effect after covid and the consequences i don't know but i felt that and people were questioning purpose and identity and what am i about and the meaning of life and the value of life are we just cosmic orphans as felix says on the vi on the video asking the question are, are we just highly evolved protoplasm or do we have are we infused with meaning and purpose in our lives and if that's the case and if god exists then we're not alone we're children of god created for purpose and for meaning and that can't be just conceptual in our minds it's got to be deep within our hearts we've got to be walking with a sense of awareness that god is with us and as we build that consciousness and awareness into our lives, the insecurities, the fears, the sense of pain and heartbreak starts to drift as we start to embrace his love for us and start to believe the love that he has for us and start to be rooted in that. And this is what we find in life. Yes, we have our valleys, but we also have our wilderness. And the wilderness is different from the valley. 
The wilderness takes a little bit longer to get through. In fact, one of the words used in the Bible for wilderness is this idea of wandering. You wander in the wilderness. You go round in circles in the, in the wilderness. It's a dry place. It's an isolated place. It's a, a lonely place. It's a place where you, you think, well, what's the point? Am I ever going to get out of this? Am I, is it ever going to stop? Is it ever going to be over in my life? I'm thinking about a young man that I spoke to a couple of, uh, of days ago, and um, he, was, he was probably in his mid-30s, uh, mid just over 26, 27, and he's thinking, do, what do I do? Do I stay in this job, Ian? I mean, this job isn't going anywhere. It's going around and around. It's secure for the moment. I get this monthly salary, but I'm not fulfilled and I'm not happy in this job. Do I just break it? Do I make the break and do I go and reskill somewhere else? That means I'm probably going to get into debt. It probably means I'm going to have student loans all over again. And there's a, there's a sense of wilderness as he was wandering round and round or speaking to somebody else and they're in rented accommodation and they're thinking maybe I have to move on. The kind of job that this couple had meant that every two or three years they move from place to place. And they're saying, do, do I buy or do I rent? I'm in rented accommodation right now, but I'm not building equity in my house. And there was a financial wilderness as they were going round and round and round. I was talking to a young lady a couple of months ago. And uh, she said to me, do, what, do I, what do I do with this relationship? I've been dating this guy now for quite, quite a while. And, 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 and it, all, all he seems to be interested in doing is playing video games. Uh, I, I, I've hinted, you know, is, is this going anywhere or is it not? And there was a sense of wilderness about her experience. It's a place of feeling alone, feeling lost, feeling to some extent disorientated. And not people don't tend to understand what you're going through in the wilderness. That's certainly the experience that you find yourself in. And this is something that I've noticed about the Bible as well, is that, that, that the, every wilderness before that is a mountaintop experience. It's like Wildernesses follow mountaintop experiences. You'll see this in the text in a minute with our prophet, Prophet Elijah. But I'm just thinking of Jesus. I'm thinking about Jesus himself when he was starting his ministry and, and, and John the Baptist baptized him in the River Jordan. And it says the heavens were opened and the Father spoke and a dove came down and heaven spoke and affirmed him and approved him. This is my son in whom I am well pleased. You do well to listen to him. The affirmation and approval of heaven from his loving heavenly Father. And then the very next verse says, and he was driven into the wilderness, tempted 40 days. You get these mountaintop experiences and then all of a sudden you find yourself in the wilderness. Your friend who you thought was a good friend, you find out later on that they weren't being entirely honest with you. And all of a sudden you find yourself in the wilderness. What you thought was so real, what you thought was so true, when you, when you find out that your spouse wasn't as faithful as you thought that they might be, 
and all of a sudden what, what the realities of life and, 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 and the years that you have planned ahead come crashing down. And it's an isolating place. It's called the wilderness. You feel alone. You feel dry spiritually. You feel, sometimes you feel so desperate. What's going to happen now as fears creep in? And I've got one big thought that I want to communicate this morning. One big thought. A thought that I don't want you just to take on with mental assent and head knowledge, but I want it to go deeper and deeper so that it lives in you and works through you as part of your experience. And it's this thought. Your deepest need, no matter the pain, no matter the challenges of life, but your deepest need becomes a gift when it drives you to depend on God. Your greatest need becomes a gift when it drives you to, be, to fall down in the presence of God. If it's driving you in, and your roots and your foundations deeper into your relationship with God, that challenge becomes a gift. And when we look at our context this morning, when we look at the, the text that, that Felix just read in 1 Kings chapter 19, we have this experience of of uh, King, uh, oh, sorry, of uh, Prophet Elijah just coming off the mountaintop. He just had this incredible victory at Mount Carmel, and the prophets of Baal, and uh, and it's just an incredible where he saw God's move in power. And and this is a man who had experienced God's power and God's presence and God's direction in his life. And then he has this wilderness experience. Let me give you a little bit of the context before the passage that we read this morning. There was, a, there was basically three characters in, in the first part of the book of Kings. You have King Ahab. You have his, uh, he was a wicked king. He was a king that had walked away from his covenant with God. He had abandoned God and he was not doing what God wanted. And he had an even wicked wife, Queen Jezebel whose heart was not after God, but whose heart worshipped other gods. And in that context, Elijah was battling, and this is a man that had spoken up to power, and this is a man that, that had, had, had spoken and had victories in different areas of his life. And all the time, throughout the last two or three years, Ahab had been pursuing him. Ahab had been speaking to, uh, trying to get him into prison, trying to lock him down with his forces. And Elijah had escaped time and time again and started speaking and started prophesying. And then all of a sudden, they had the, uh, the um, Mount Carmel. And Jezebel was angry. This was her prophets that God had put to death. And she was angry. And she threatened him. Basically, Jezebel says, Ahab, if you can't get the job done, step aside, let this woman get the job done. I'm going to get the job done. She threatens him. This From this next day, tomorrow, you're going to be like those prophets of Baal. You're going to die. And what's interesting to me is that Elijah, who had kept the pressure and handled the challenges for the last two or three years, it says here in verse 3, Elijah, based on that threat, Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. 
Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. And when he came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servants there while he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness. He came to a broom bush, sat down under it and prayed that he might die. I have had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life. I am not better than my ancestors. Sometimes we can just read over a text. But it says that he was so afraid of the threat of Queen Jezebel that he ran for his life. And we get, we, th- this was the day before you can get an app and get a taxi called Uber. This was a day before you could get the high speed. I mean, we've got to get a sense of how far that this guy ran. I mean, he ran 100 miles just under when you, when you look, at the, look at the geography uh, of the place. I mean, this, the prophet turned into Forrest Gump. He was just like going for it every day. The fear was so much on the inside of him. And he ran into the wilderness. And I just like this. I just, I just like this because it's so real for my life as well. And he says this, Lord, I've had enough. I've, ta- I've, I've battled, he's gone through, he's been brave, he's spoken faith. And in this moment in the wilderness, he says, I've had enough. That's it, Lord. I've finished. I've done this for you. I've done that for you. That's it. I'm done. I've had enough. I don't know if you're like me, you get those moments with God sometimes. <laughs> I've had enough. I've, I, I'm, 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 I'm shot through here. I'll look at the kids and, 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 and in the back of the car and say, now look here, you. I'm going to come back there in a minute if you don't get yourself sorted out. I've just had enough. Sometimes some of you might be facing a bad boss at work. You know, in the work situation, uh, a passive, aggressive, narcissistical boss, and, and you've put up with it for years and years and years, and then there's just this one moment. There's just this one moment where all of a sudden, I've had enough. You know, you, you make a lovely meal. You spend an hour or two over it. You put all the ingredients in. You pour your love into that meal. You set the table, and then, and then you say, okay, tea's ready. Vroom. 30 seconds later, they're out there still playing videos. All the dishes, the places are wrecked, all the dishes just left there. And then you turn into Jezebel. This time tomorrow, someone's going to die if you don't get down here and sort out and clean this kitchen. I've had... Enough. Sometimes we can come to the end of ourselves in one small thing, but it's not the small thing, is it? It's all the things that have been building up to that point. And that's what we see here. In, in, this is what we see in, in uh, the prophet uh, Elijah's life. I mean, just, just he, he's been going strong for a long time. He's been pushing through for a long time. I mean, let me give you a little bit of his CV. 
I mean, see, think about what, whether this is on your CV or not. He stood up to the king for over three years. The king put his forces on him. So he's been a fugitive. The forces have been chasing him down. and He's been uh, um, escaping here and escaping there and still speaking the truth of God. He's been speaking truth to power. And, and, and King Ahab has been pursuing him as a result. He prophesied drought and God backed his word and stopped the rain uh, coming. He was hiding and God was protecting him and God fed him by ravens in different times of his, his life. This is a man who raised a dead man from, uh, a de young boy from the dead. I mean, fancy having that on your CV. My CV is reasonable, but it's not quite that, that good. He, he stood down, like I said, 850 prophets of Baal and he called fire down from heaven and God put fire on the altar. He says, rain stop and it stopped. Rain start and it starts as he saw a, a cloud like a man's hand coming and he says, rain is coming. He saw the protection of God. He saw the provision of God. He had the perspective of God around the nation. He had incredible moments with God and yet one moment. Jezebel says, this time tomorrow you're going to die. And all the protection he forgot and he was running scared. And sometimes we can have those moments where we run straight into the wilderness of our lives. And this is what's interesting to me here. I was, uh, I was uh, listening to a podcast and uh, uh, a gentleman called Dr. Henry Cloud, uh, he was uh, talking. He's a well-known psychologist and uh, a, a, a Christian writer uh, and and he was talking to a group of pastors and leaders. And he was saying that there was leaders and pastors. And they were saying, I'm constantly tired. I'm tired. I'm tired. I'm always tired. And what he realized is this, is that you're misdiagnosing your situation. And maybe this will speak to someone this morning. Uh, you're misdiagnosing your situation. If it was really tired, then a good night's sleep will sort it out. But it's not really tiredness. It's a depletion of the inner life. It's a depletion of the soul. It, it's, it's, it's something that you're, we're lacking spiritually. It's spiritual replenishment that we need because we're depleted on the inside of us. We need that encounter with God. We need that moment where we can just be in the presence of God and allow the shepherd of our souls to restore our souls and to strengthen us. We need to hear the voice of God and know his presence and be filled with his power once again. And this is exactly what God does for Elijah. What does God do? In the, in the text that we find ourselves reading this morning, I'm, not, I'm struck by what God doesn't do. God doesn't preach a sermon at him. God doesn't tell him five things to do. God, God doesn't say, right, you've got to meditate on ten scriptures. God doesn't say, well, it's because of your lack of faith you find yourself in, in this situation. God simply says this, verse 5. All at once an angel touched him and said, get up and eat. Get up and eat. Sometimes you need to just step aside and you need to have a chip butty. You need to have a bacon sandwich. You need to look after yourself. You need to care for The greatest gift I can give this congregation is a healthy pastor. The greatest gift you can give your husband and wife is a healthy partner. 
someone who looks after themselves, someone who says, I'm going to look after myself nutritionally, I'm going to rest. And this is what it says in verse 6, he looked around and there by his head was some bread baked over hot coals. And then he lay down again after drinking. He lay down again. Sometimes we need that spiritual replenishment and we also need physical rest and strength in our lives. And I love verse 7, the angel of the Lord came back a second time and touched him. The angel of the Lord came back. I don't know about you, but sometimes I need it a second time. And I need it a third time. And I need it a fourth time. And God's going to keep chasing you. And God's going to keep coming after you with his love and his affection and his grace. And he's always there for you in the times that you're in the wilderness. And verse 7, it talks about him traveling 40 days to reach Horeb, the mountain of God. And God asks him a question. And he says, Elijah, what are you doing here? Elijah, what are you doing here? Where do you find yourself? What are you running away from, Elijah? Where are you here? You, you have access to me, Elijah. Why are you running? You have access to me. You can come to me at any time. And then Elijah, we notice, puts on his what I call the whiny voice. I get like this sometimes, especially with God, the, the, the kind of whiny voice. This is what he says, I've been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, verse 10, and torn down your altars and put your prophets to death and to the sword. I'm the only one left, and now they are trying to kill me too. I get like that sometimes. God, God, I'm trying my best here. I've done this for you, and I've done that for you, and I've made this sacrifices for you, and you're not sorting this out, and you're not sorting that out. And, and the perception of Elijah is distorted here, because that's what happens to us when we go through the traumas and tragedies of life. He's not the only one left. Many hadn't bowed the knee to Baal, as the Bible says in the context. But he thought, I'm the only one left. And this is what's happening to me. And he was in the spiritual wilderness. He's hurting. And he's not able to look beyond himself because he's so in pain with his own needs. And what does God do? This is what God does. God meets him in his deepest need. God ministers to him in his vulnerability. God heals him in the middle of his hurt. Your deepest need can become a gift when it drives you to depend on God. This is what it says in verse 11. The Lord says, go out, Elijah. Come on, go out of this cave and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. It's usually the case when a woman threatens a man, when Jezebel threatens Elijah, the man runs into the cave. When a man's feeling under pressure, he runs into the cave. And that's where God speaks to him. And God speaks to Elijah in the cave and says, Elijah, come out. Come on. Come out. Because I am going to pass by. You're going to encounter me. And in your encounter with me, your life 
is going to change. In your encounter with me, you're going to come out of the wilderness. And you're going to be the prophet that I've ordained you to be. And so Elijah comes out. And Elijah's thinking, I'm going to have an encounter with God here. My life's going to be changed. And in verse 11 it says, And there was a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks. And then Elijah's thinking, this has got to be it. This has got to be it. God's here now. But the Bible says God was not in the wind. And he goes on to say in, uh, in, the, in the next passage, it says, And there was a mighty wind, and then there was an earthquake, and the earthquake came, shattering the ground and shaking the ground. Surely God's in this, Elijah thinks. But no, the Bible says he was not in the earthquake. And then there was a fire that came. And, and Elijah's probably thinking, well, just like the, the burning bush was not consumed under Moses, this fire's going to come, my life is going to be changed. And yet the Bible says God was not in the fire. God was not in the earth shaking. He was not in the wind raging. He was not in the fire burning. But it says this, that God came as a gentle whisper. A gentle whisper whisper. God doesn't come in the ordinary. God comes in the ordinary. He doesn't come in the remarkable, in the wilderness. The way out of the wilderness is this, that you quieten yourself so much that you can hear him whisper. You can hear the still quiet voice on the inside of you, the voice of God speaking to you. And sometimes I wonder because here's the whisper of God speaking to Elijah and he, God wasn't in the spectacular and he wasn't in the signs because why? The signs are something that point about something else. Signs point to something else. And it wasn't in the spectacular. It was in the still quiet voice. It was in the whisper. The Bible says it's in quietness and in confidence will be your strength. Sometimes we just need to be still and know that I am God, God says. Sometimes you just need to take a step back. And when it's all raging around you and all sorts of things going on, and he said, she said, he said, she said, you need to come back and hear the still quiet voice on the inside of you. The gentle whisper brings you out of the wilderness. So why is God so hidden then, uh, Pastor Ian? Why is it that God, why can't he just speak loud? Why can't he be make himself more obvious when I'm going through the hard time? Why is it that he has to just whisper? Why can't he just be more powerful and obvious to me in my time of need? I want to tell you why. He whispers because he's close. He whispers because he's close to you. The devil shouts his lies, but God whispers his truth. God doesn't shout to get your attention. He whispers to draw you near. Just like the shepherd, my sheep hear my voice. And another voice they do not follow. The sheep walking close. It's because he's close. He's able to whisper to you. 
I remember as a kid, you know, there was different things as I was growing up, and it depended on what my age was. There was different things that used to frighten me uh, at night. So, you know, when you're a little boy at the age of two or three, I thought that I could see monsters in the dark. And uh, when I got a little bit older, I, I, I used to be a little bit frightened of the storms that used to happen sometimes outside. And then when I was getting to seven or eight, I, 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 every sound downstairs I thought was a burglar. Uh, and, I, I, and, and there was all these different moments of tension and where did I go? I crept out of my bedroom and into my mum and dad's bedroom and I snuck under the duvet and I lay there and I curled up. Why? Because I wanted to be close to where I thought it was safe. Every so often, less so now, but every so often uh, I would wake up to have Daniel there looking at me because he wanted to be where he thought he was secure and he thought he was close and why does god why does god whisper in the wilderness he whispers because he's close god with us in every season of our life the psalmist 139 the psalmist says this, where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up in the heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise of the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the seas, even there your hand, look how close he is, your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. It has to be close if his hand can hold you fast. If the band can come up, please, the worship band. This is my challenge for you this morning. I want you to reflect on those moments in your life where you felt that sense of dryness, you felt that sense of desolation, the experience of the wilderness. And we've been trying to find substance and we've been trying to find refreshment in so many other areas and my call for you this this morning is stop finding it on the telephone with your friends stop trying to find it by trying to find fulfillment in all sorts of different other areas stop what you're doing and come back to your heavenly father and hear the voice of the spirit whisper whisper He can whisper because he's close. And just taking a moment to receive him, acknowledge his presence. He's never ever left you, he's never ever forsaken you. Other people have been and they've gone. And you are physically alone. But you're not lonely because the presence of the Spirit of God is with you. And if you just listen carefully, you'll hear his still, soft whisper in the quietness of your own heart. Holy Spirit, come and do that work that only you can do mending broken hearts 
setting captives free. Ministers to each and every one of us. I ask, Heavenly Father, that this church will be known as a place where people meet you. They sense your presence. It will be a church that people say, God is with them. Bethel, the house of God. God with us. And Father, I ask that that awareness, that illumination can't come with me just speaking, I know, Lord. But Lord, I pray that that truth will drop from our heads and our ears to our very hearts. And people here now, under the sound of my voice, will sense your presence in their life. And it's not going to be momentary. It's going to be abiding with you. Just in this moment as you're sitting, just receive his presence. Say, Lord, thank you. Thank you for your presence in my life. Thank you that you committed to me before I committed to you. stand church and as we stand to take this next song I want you to look to him this is the one that walks with you as you sing to him this is the one that walks with you and as you worship him embrace him as the ever present God in your life